Hello, welcome to Crossing the Threshold. This is a show where we sit down with leading thinkers from around the world of education, exploring how the ways that we're supporting young people today is shaping the future. This week on the show, we sit down with Johnny Benjamin. Johnny Benjamin, MBE, is an award-winning mental health campaigner, film producer, public speaker, writer and vlogger. He also produced and presented documentaries on BBC Three and Channel Four on the subjects of mental health and suicide. In 2016, he launched Think Well, a mental health programme for schools, which has so far been reached by thousands of young people in secondary schools across the UK. Most recently, Johnny has set up a new mental health charity, Beyond, which aims to provide better mental health support to young people around the country. We're really excited to be with him today. Welcome, Johnny. You met at your old school where I were. You were actually first giving a talk with your uh, business partner and kind of co co collaborator Neil to sick formers. What really struck me, uh, I was so moved by your sharing and just how much you were willing to share and so open with your story. And that really, really just stuck with me and inspired me. And so I was just really curious to know what's really at the heart for you of why it feels so important to to share your story. I think for me personally, ultimately, I just I don't want anyone to go through what I went through, particularly particularly in my late teens and my early twenties when I, I when I really I did I struggled with my mental health, but. I also struggled with the the silence and the shame and yeah, I just don't want anyone to go through that at all. Such a horrible place to be. As as I kind of just alluded to, you know, it's hard enough I think if you're struggling with with anything in in life, but then to have to have the added level of shame and stigma on top, it's really tough. It's really tough. So I'm particularly passionate about. Yeah, going into schools and uh, colleges and universities and elsewhere. Because I just think that, you know, when I was when I was at school or at university, if someone would have come in and showed some vulnerability, I, ju- I just think it would have made, well, I know it would have made a huge difference. But, you know, when I was growing up, there was nothing like that. You know, things are changing. Thankfully, well, they, they had to change, but it's not enough yet. It's amazing because I actually witnessed you bringing your vulnerability and openness what I witnessed afterwards is something I don't usually witness in the sick formers is that they queued up they stayed behind and queued up to talk to you and usually with the speaker they're kind of like out the door and it was eating into their lunch time you know that's precious time to you and I really saw that you had unlocked something in these young people so I'd be I really want, would love to hear a bit about what those responses are when you share with adolescents it's always so interesting it's always so varied but often it's the first time that someone might have opened up which is pretty huge I kind of see my role as really to, to be a listener and yeah you know just uh it's such, yeah, it's such a privilege to be able to sit and, 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 and listen when someone is, is opening up like that for the, for the first time. But often what I find is that um, there's so much that's, you know, on their minds and all just comes out 
Yeah, it remind it always takes me back to when I was going through what I went through as a particularly as a teenager and the weight of everything on my mind. I mean, you can actually physically see it sometimes that yeah. you know this real sort of letting go. This I know it's a cliche, but the weight off the shoulders. It. What What happened to you during that time when you started to you know become unwell? and and how that experience has led you to where you are today i became really unwell in my in my late teens my mental health issues started very young my parents took me to a a child psychologist when i was five so yeah we knew from an early age it never got properly addressed until well until like many people until crisis point until breaking point which yeah came in, came in my late teens when I was at school we we just didn't talk about I didn't understand the concept of mental health we we definitely didn't get any sort of education the only thing that we got they they showed us the film one flew over the cuckoo's nest is is well it put me off talking if I'm honest that I was scared to talk about everything in my head after seeing that film and I just I kind of just I just struggled I just struggled I thought it was crazy in my in my teens, I just thought I was just yeah crazy, and everyone else was normal. I think for me, thing things got got really really unbearable when I got to university because I thought university was going to be this. Well, it was going to change my life for the better because everyone was saying to me, you know, university, yeah, best years of your life. I just assumed that yes, like suddenly my mental health issues would just disappear as soon as I got to university. Uh, obviously, they didn't. And it, it became really, just really tough. I, I, I was dealing with uh, really, really low moods. I was hearing what I thought was the voice of the devil that was telling me to do things. I was, became delusional. I became very paranoid. And eventually I had a breakdown when I was 20, uh, became psychotic. And that led me to, to, to being admitted to a psychiatric hospital and, and being given this diagnosis of um, schizoaffective disorder like a combination of schizophrenia and, and bipolar yeah that was that was the most challenging moment of my life for sure getting that diagnosis and being put into this, this psychiatric hospital I, I just I don't know I kind of thought my life was over really when I got that diagnosis and I, I basically I ended up I ended up uh, running away from the hospital I planned to end my life because as I said I just didn't see well I didn't see any other way out so fortunately for me, when I when I ran away from the hospital, I was stopped uh, by a stranger who obviously saw that I was in distress and taught me around. And I guess that was the very beginning of a long kind of path to where I am today. Yeah, I, I, I it, it took me a long time. But when I finally started uh, talking and addressing my mental health and also my, my sexuality, which I, looking back, you know, come from a Jewish family, went to a Jewish school... Uh, was told being gay is, is a sin. Uh, I I think my sexuality and my mental health, uh, they're all they're all it's all very much linked. But finally, finally, I started addressing both of those things. And when I finally started addressing those things, uh, particularly through through things like therapy, particularly therapy, I have to say, and actually something called CFT, which is, is compassion focused therapy, which uh, I'm I'm still having today. And yeah, that's kind of got me to where I am today if I can use my experience to help other people then it's it's kind of all been worth it you know that's what I tell myself thank you so much for sharing uh just you know even just snippets of what what was your truth and reality and your story and storytelling is 
it's such a powerful tool because it's just bringing that humanness. I mean, I know you, you've said that we're, it's the start of something, but I and I and but it's not enough. So what what is working? You, you've done some really interesting programs going into schools and and leading campaigns, and I'm really love to know kind of a little bit about that and what you see does work and and then kind of what's still missing what isn't enough because I imagine there's a load yeah well that's the thing I mean I often get asked to go into schools and it's usually like okay Johnny we've got a one hour slot on the 12th of October come in and talk it's not that's what I mean when I say it's not you can't just go in and just do what one and I'm saying that now to I'm it's taken me a while to get the courage I think to say it to schools to say look this no, I'm not just going to come in and tick box. I'm not going to tick boxes anymore. There was one school, I won't name the school, but there was one school that was like, come in, 20 minutes, mental health, in an assembly, and that's it. And I was like, I'm not just coming in and just doing 20 minutes and then just buggering off. Like, you can't you can't do that anymore. People keep saying, oh, mental health is the priority, but it's, it's not if you, you know, if you're just dedicating 20 minutes. So I've got a programme called Think Well and Think Well goes into schools, uh, it's been into schools around the country, but again, the amount of time that uh, schools can dedicate to think, well, it's, it just never feels enough. It's such a huge topic, this area, you know? Um, that's where I get really frustrated, I think. Um, but, you know, saying that, I it's not the same in all schools, because some schools you walk into and you, you just know straight away, you know, on the wall there's something about who's achieved the highest grades that year. Whereas the schools where, that make mental health a priority, you get to see that as well, I, I don't know, I finally get to see that as soon as a walk-in and and that's that's what I love to see. You know, they're, they're, they're all about mental health not being a tick box. Tick box. It's actually something that is, is addressed the whole school academic year as it should be, you know? And it's much more of a kind of open culture for, for pupils, for teachers. Yeah, I, do, I wish all schools could operate like that. And I think one day they will. I'm sure one day they will. What I'm trying to say is I wish there was more of a overall bigger priority in all schools when it comes to well-being. But if you, we're, if, we're not yeah. quite there yet. If you were like to say in a year from now and you have you are like, I don't know, the, the visionary ad, uh, advisory of mental health in schools. What would, When it what... stops being a tick box exercise. Yeah. So what I'd love to see is mental health or well-being like incorporated into the, the curriculum in some way. You know, uh, there's so many opportunities to address well-being, whether that be in, in a subject like history. There's so many people in history had mental health challenges like Winston Churchill or Abraham Lincoln or Florence Nightingale. Let's talk about that. Or in English as another perfect example. I mean, how many times has the theme of like mental health come up in, in, in English? I remember, you know, when I was at school, we studied, well, particularly Shakespeare, you know, whether it be Hamlet or, or, or Romeo and Juliet. I mean, you know, the end of Romeo and Juliet, they both, unfortunately, they both, they both take their own lives. And not once did we address that. So I just think, yeah, there's so many opportunities where we can address well-being and I just, yeah, I'd love to see schools take that up. Yeah. It's interesting just to pick up on your, I know you've got a book of poems out called Pill After Pill. And, you know, I think the analogy of programmes or interventions in education being seen as pills you administer to students or to, you know, to schools to, uh, 
to be that quick fix that is actually just a you know it's a plaster on a big on a big wound a big societal wound in lots of cases that's where you're you know, I know you, I know you speak a lot about prevention and the importance of prevention and importance of addressing these things early on and normalizing speaking about our mental health and our well-being and seeing it as not as a separate thing I think we've like you know in many ways we've created this lie of separation that our mind and body and our spirit are all separate things that operate independently and it's interesting what you said a minute a minute ago about you know the link between identity and well-being I think you know you see mental health issues are more prevalent in youth or individuals who who come from cultures whose societies are whose cultures are oppressed or not valued societally in the same way as other as others and it's so sad to see that and in a way, the more we give space for our identities and our independent, you know, our individual and our collective identities to be honoured and valued and celebrated, the more that adds to our individual and collective well-being. Absolutely. And, and again, I, I think it's so varied depending on the school you're at, you know, it's just not universal. It's, yeah, and it's really great to hear that you're finding within you the courage to actually say no and, and be true to what you think is really important and not kind of fit into those slots and we've we've actually talked talked a lot about well-being and there was a time where I felt like mental health illness was a bit separate to well-being and now there is this more merging of the worlds in that um that we need to learn all about different mental health um issues and illnesses and what they are and what the signs are but at the same time in order to be well we need to know how to keep well so i I'd be curious to know how what helps you stay well, and if you if you can think back to when you were younger in your adolescence, do you think you had like what what helped you stay well then? I don't you know. know. When I go in and give talks, I do really try and talk a lot about yeah how I manage and um, you know different tools that I've picked up over 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 the years. So for me. One thing is is mindfulness that that is a massive benefit to me and um, I actually I've just I did a talk a, f- a few hours ago so I've got I've got some props around me so I got um, and I think you've seen this before Nikki but I, I have a, a mindfulness jar ah uh, yeah I've yeah. got one of those on my desk oh, I love them <laughs> the best I absolutely love them and I like to yeah I like to demonstrate how 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 the mindfulness how mindfulness works. Yeah, see, seeing obviously the 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 the, the glitter that, that forms in the jar and how it kind of just swirls non-stop when you shake it up. But you know there is a way to kind of step out of it and be the observer. And you know through doing things like yeah meditation, when you're meditating, focusing on your breath for a period of time, and you can step out your head and you can then be the observer and you can finally just let your thoughts and feelings settle and get some clarity and some peace of mind and. You know, as we talked, we talked before about teenagers' brains, and I wish uh, someone would have come in and taught me a bit about mindfulness when I was a teenager, because my brain was just non-stop, literally non-stop, and with really difficult things, with really challenging stuff. And it was only yeah, in my yeah mid twenties, I finally learned about about mindfulness. Uh, I started meditating and. I was like, oh, wow, there is a way to actually get some peace of mind. It was like, it was such a revelation for me when I did my first ever uh, meditation. And I was like, I, there was there was literal peace of mind in my in my head for the first time ever. 
And that was, yeah, that was huge. And, I, you know, the great thing is now I'm seeing, even in primary schools, from a young age, um, I did something actually with, with uh, Class Dojo, the, the, the app hey, for yeah. schools. We, we, did, we did something last year on, on mindfulness for primary schools. And it was amazing, you know, seeing all these young people meditating and hearing about the impacts that that had had uh, from them and from their teachers and from their parents. And um, mindfulness for me is, 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 along with therapy, um, along with other things as well, like, like running and, and healthy eating. And, but these are all things I guess I've yeah, picked up over the years. No one, there's no manual, no one. <laughs> you kind of have to find it all out for yourself. Uh, but now I've got a kind of a toolbox, I'd say, that again, I wish I would have maybe had when I was when I was in, in school. And I think, like you say, it's unique to everyone. So helping them find their own way into it feels like a really powerful tool. I mean, that's that's really at the heart, I feel, of, of our work with the visionaries is about kind of giving um, frameworks for them to... F- pick up their create their own toolbox and that's really empowering and I think gives young people agency uh, yeah I th- and I think that's really important because often uh within our sort of mental health system you're quite often dictated to particularly again you know this is not just my experience but a lot of people's experiences particularly maybe if you know talk to young people that are going through cams you know so often they're told what's wrong with them and you know again compare it to sort of physical health you know I know I know quite a few people that have been diagnosed with things like cancer and you know when they're given that diagnosis they are given options and they're given um I don't know it's just it's very very different and those same sort of options the it's not given to someone when they're given a, a like mental health diagnosis there's, there's there's a lot that needs to change i think in the in the systems they're that we big have. aren't they <laughs> um i'd be really interested to know what you would want to have your te for your teenage self what you'd wanted to have known about life like what wisdoms would have been like really useful whether it was taught or you were it was unfolded to you looking back to that time in school well I, I mean I guess for me that I didn't I didn't this is this might sound silly but I didn't I didn't realize that things could change I thought that the you know my head was kind of uh fixed but I only in recent years it was a therapist a therapist said to me you know you know Johnny you the way that your brain is wired you know it's not it's not stuck you know you can uh the, the brain is a is, is a is flexible Uh, you know I always knew that about the body you know you can so for example you can build up muscle you know if you go to the gym and work out and yeah you'll you'll maybe eventually build some muscle and I just thought that yeah the the way that our minds are it just they are stuck they don't change yeah through through therapy I guess I realized that and and through things like mindful mindfulness has shown you know that it actually physically you know, can change the brain. I mean, that's extraordinary. Again, I, I think I, I, we were again we weren't told anything about the brain when 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 we were in school in science. We we talked a lot about the physical body, but not the brain. I mean, it's so fascinating. Neuroplasticity. It's actually a thing. We're malleable. It's funny because in a way, like um, the the education system is so fixed. It's no wonder that when we're in the system as teenagers, we feel like we nothing changes. Therefore, our minds won't. So only to be told it in a 
scientific level later and then experience that yourself that's that's really powerful you know again when I was growing up I just thought I was alone in in my thoughts and feelings and everything going through my head and again only in my sort of mid-20s when I finally started uh talking uh you know when I started sharing my story the amount of people that got in touch from my old school to say I went through something similar I had to hide it as well it it really it just stunned me just because I really thought I'm you know and, and again when I went to university I saw everyone else having what I thought was a time of their lives I really did I thought I I I you know I kept on saying to myself why am I why am I the only person that's that's struggling but now I know that's definitely not the case but yeah again because you know we 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 didn't have the language we didn't have the confidence to talk about it but but things things are definitely changing they are things are definitely changing um and it was, I don't know that at the same time you know that it's, we're more able to talk about it and the the literacy and the vocabulary is there um but I was re- reading the Prince's Trust uh, young people in lockdown report where they surveyed about a thousand young young people from across the UK about their experiences of uh, kind of health in lockdown and you know I think about half half of young people felt out of control of their lives and a third were saying that they felt panic and anxiety on a daily basis so whilst there you know there's obviously the ability to recognize what what those emotions are and what's occurring i wonder how much we're equipping you know how much equipping is being done to overcome or to not even necessarily to overcome but to to be with and manage those well, this states. is why you know this is why it needs to start in primary schools and I don't know about you, but I'm definitely seeing more primary schools make well-being a priority. Definitely. Again, it's usually what I find is teacher, certain teachers that, you know, will say, mm, we need to really address well-being in our school. But it just takes one teacher, you know, to, to you know, stand up and say we need to do something and for it to really, you know, start a, a ball rolling. Um, but yeah, no, I'm definitely finding... Definitely finding more and more primary schools um, addressing it. But yeah, often though, I think, you know, when I speak to teachers, they just often don't know where to start. Don't know where to start, how to start. Um, again, I think we can do something about it. Johnny, you've recently started an organisation to help fund more of this, you know, of all the stuff that we've been talking about to happen, you know, in schools, but also more widely. I wonder if you could share a little bit uh, about Beyond and, and, and the work you're doing. Yeah, there. so set up this, this charity in, in the end of 2018 because, as I said before, tra- travelled around the country and, you know, visited lots of amazing different projects and services. And this, it was the same old story, of, particularly, you know, in terms of youth services, the same old story of, oh, we've had our funding cut, we've lost our funding, we can't operate anymore, we're going to have to shut down. And it's so frustrating, um, you know, particularly when you're talking to young people and you, you know, they tell you that the service has really been benefiting them and now they've, <laughs> they've been left with, with, with nothing. So, so we set up a grant giving organisation, said to ourselves, well, we could create a new service, but actually let's create a, a grant giving organization to fund what's what's already out there particularly for maybe more rural areas so yeah funding funding like 
yeah, non-traditional um, types of therapy and particularly at creative types of, 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 of work. Again, it's just not enough, just not enough of those, really. And we've particularly seen a, a, a massive spike in demand, obviously, during the last few months, during the, uh, the pandemic and the lockdown. Again, I'm generalising, but, well, we, we know, actually. We know that, that boys, men, um, are, A, much, much less likely to actually come forwards, but, B, they have a much higher sort of dropout rate of, you know, when they're in mental health services, when they're, when they're seeing someone they have a really high dropout rate. So, yeah, it's vital that we think outside of the box, particularly, I'd say, for, for you know, young men. Um, I really love, like, for instance, uh, the charity Calm. Do you know, I don't know if you know the charity Calm, the, the male suicide prevention charity. Um, you know, they're all about, okay, we're not going to wait for men to come to us. We're going to go to these young men. So they'll go to gigs and they'll go to like when when all the bars are closing, the bars are closing and they're going to the kebab shops. And that's when the calm volunteers will go out and they'll just go to the kebab shops and say, look, just, you know, just checking in. Just want to see if you're all right. How you doing? Because we can't we can't just expect people just to come to us. You know, we need to go to them. Yeah, charities like Karma are, are, are definitely doing that, which is really awesome to that see. That is amazing. I know that something similar for barbershops. Uh, barbers were being kind of equipped with uh, mental health awareness to be able to, you know, chat with the young males. And I know that that is an area of a, a real passion for you. So is there anything in particular that you are doing yourself in that or well actually yeah i've been doing some work with the with the barber shops actually the the lions barber collective um supporting them because yeah i just i love what they do and again it's it's a lot of us go and get our hair cut well maybe not obviously during the last few months but you know and that's such a perfect opportunity to to yeah, to open up that conversation. You know, I, I know myself, I talk about all sorts of things to my to my to my barber. Now actually we do chat mental health, well-being, which is great to have that conversation. It's awesome because actually we've got uh so we've got a youth board, part of our organization beyond we've got a youth board. We've got lots of young men who are on the on the board, which is great. So what I find is when I go into schools, you know, I'll give a talk, I'll finish a talk. And again, I'm generalising, but often it's the young females that will come up straight away and talk and share. And then, like, it's usually the, the young males that will, they'll linger in, in the corners and then they'll come right at the very end and they want to be seen. Or they'll come back, like, half an hour later and be like, oh, um, Johnny, can I just talk to you? Yeah. So I'm really glad that we've got these, on, on our youth board, we've got these amazing young male role models they've all got lived experience they're all in their late teens early 20s and yeah they're just all and, and what's great about the our youth board is that they're all uh not only do they have their lived experience but they're also doing things now like a few of them are building apps writing books or you know created their own sort of mental health movements on instagram one of one of the young men on our on our board is called george and he's created a, a movement called how mental it's awesome. It's got over a hundred thousand likes on Instagram. He's built this movement up, and he's got so many young people now coming to his 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 channel. And um, yeah, it's really awesome to see. Like again, you know, going back to when I was at school, no one ever talked about well being, but now you know, I love I love working with the youth board because yeah, I just it's just amazing to see how you know open and passionate they all are. 
um, about this subject. Yeah, when, I, when I'm lacking any sort of passion myself or, I don't know, lacking some hope or, yeah, inspiration, like, I'll just, I'll talk to one of them and just instantly, like, everything changes. <laughs> Never doubt a small group of people to change a world because that's who has something like that, Margaret Mead. Um, I'd love to end on um, hope even that's part of the title of your your up-and-coming book and yeah I'd love to just know what what is what brings you hope I, I so yeah the book the book that I'm I'm currently well finishing is 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 called the book of hope um and yeah it's all different perspectives on on hope on overcoming well you know related to to, to to mental health and um so we've got contributions from all different people from all over the world from all different ages backgrounds and every piece is just so individual and it's not this whole thing is not it's not a one-size-fits-all you know um whether that be hope or treatment or recovery you know there's there's never a one-size-fits-all and I think what you know what what I hope people will take away from the book is that you know they'll find something in there for them maybe if you know one thing doesn't match them one 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 piece of writing about hope they'll read another chapter on someone else's experience of of overcoming finding hope and they'll take something from that but I I think yeah like I said before I definitely get my sense of hope from from working with young people from talking to young people and yeah their their passion their enthusiasm their um again particularly when it comes to to, to well-being to, to mental it's health balance hope i don't know hopeful being hopeful is an interesting one isn't it because it can um there's a, there's a lot i am hopeful for and then uh, there's also so much uncertainty at the moment there uh, will can how we emerge back out of lockdown and whether the you know what the new normal is going to look like is uh, is going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how things shift you know there's a lot of conversations about radically shifting how we're educating and how we operate as a society and people have seen i think there's a lot of hope in this time that we've see, people have seen a different way of doing things so i'm hopeful that we you know we we hold on to the lessons that uh, this kind of adverse, this adversity and this difficult experience has taught I, us. I hope so as well, because we have a habit of, us humans have a habit of forgetting quite quickly, you know. But I have a feeling this this time, hopefully, we, we won't. Because it's not like just one day it's all just going to, you know, the pandemic's just going to go away and it's all just... Because that's, that's not the, the nature of this, you know. It is. It's an ongoing thing. And yeah, and like your work is all about talking. I think it's going to be about how we continue to create spaces to talk about what we've learned and what we want to continue to take forward from this time. And, you know, creating spaces where people can be vulnerable and talk about their experiences and connect in new ways, I think, is how those lessons will live on. I think, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I just hope that people are patient and kind with each other because um yeah just i don't know so you know con conversations that I've, I've been having maybe the past month two months you know everyone's different in terms of you know um how they want the world to look going forwards and some people uh, want to rush back and just you know yeah get back to normal other people are much more well anxious about you know they they can't just do that and 
I just wish we could all be respectful and yeah, kind um, and really listen you know, to, to everyone's needs going forward, I think. Yes, yeah, they, they they, the, the key kind of takeaways I'm leaving from this conversation is this sense of overcoming. I hadn't really thought of that word and that notion, but it is the overcoming, overcoming of whether that's, you know, mental health uh, illness or just challenges or and knowing that you can overcome something, which I think builds resilience and compassion listening and yeah like bringing our full selves and and when we do that and when we are in places where we share we all of a sudden realize like oh I'm not alone and we see that in the power of our work of we sit in circles and share what what an honor to have sat with you and uh, and just hear the work you're doing and your story and yeah I feel like we're gonna have to do some work together definitely yeah no, definitely. I'd love, I'd love to absolutely for sure yeah I'd we'll, we'll to. have to set up at another time but thank you so much for your time and yeah, thank you uh, yeah thank you Johnny thank you